Hello guys, welcome to Share Your Mindset. Today, I got the special Tabata with me. She's sharing an inspirational motivation brand, which is Strong is Sexy. And it's a story behind it. So I want to introduce to you guys Tabata. She's going to tell us everything behind the scenes of this powerful brand that is making a powerful change in the fitness industry, in health, in mental health. And she got, wow, a broad story and a broad journey that end up being a now strong and sexy. So welcome, Tabata, to Share Your Mindset. How are you today? I'm great, Amir. Thank you. How are you? All good. I'm really excited, literally, to, to know your story, to know everything about you, because you are doing a fantastic job out there supporting people, making them stronger, making them healthier, and making them look sexy as well. So, which is the <laughs> the, the the dream, the dream uh, life, you know. So, please tell us a, a bit more about yourself, your story, how everything started back years ago. Sure, sure. Well, I was fortunate that I grew up in um, what I consider a healthy mindset and a healthy family. Like. My father kind of taught us we were going to go hiking or camping, then what would we want to fuel our body for those events kind of thing. So I was always kind of raised with that, like soda or um, Coca-Cola's or whatever you got, fountain drinks, right? Like those were literally like a treat in my home. They weren't commonplace items. Um, we just didn't have cookies and candies and pastries and, and soda and stuff just like laying around. Like it, if you went to our pantry and opened the doors, they weren't in there. Um, so I grew up with that, which I think kind of gave me an edge, especially, um, being in America, we have what they call the standard American diet, but anyone that is in the Western civilization, we call it the sad diet because it literally, if you eat the standard American diet, um, I mean, I just, it promotes dysfunction, not health, you know, it's too fat and carb heavy and not enough protein. I mean, that's just my honest opinion about it. And so part of um, my thing is that I worked in the clinical environment. I worked in primary care as a clinical health coach. My degree is from Purdue University. I have a bachelor's of science in health and wellness. And I have two terms now left, and I have my master's in health education from Purdue. I have precision nutrition level certified um, nutritionist. Um, I'm certified with the CDC to um, teach di diabetes lifestyle management which um, usually is only for registered dietitians, but I actually have that through the Center for Disease Control. So that gives me um, help for people. That's why if you are in part of my group, Dynamo Nutrition and Fitness, you will see that I create recipes that are high protein and that are low GI as in the glycemic index. So my protein donuts, my protein pudding, um, the waffles, all these different things are actually type two diabetic friendly because they were made without refined flours. They're made with real complex carbs. So sweet potatoes, rice, yams, you know, fruits, like real, real, real <laughs> foods. And the more real foods that we can get, right, the better we are overall, in my opinion. Supplementation is needed, but that's why it's called a supplement. It's to supplement what you're missing in your main real foods, whole foods. So, at the end of 2019, I came out of primary care and I went into the private sector and um, I worked with another organization for a little while um, for my coach at the time, his organization. And then I had Dynamo is kind of like my health page um, where I would interact with some patients or um, friends or family kind of stuff. But I kind of put that on the back burner. 
and just worked for that organization for a while. And then I unarchived Dynamo towards the end of 2020, LLC'd, and it's been full steam ahead. So that's kind of like how I've got fast forward to where I am. And I do um, online nutrition and fitness coaching. I do do some face-to-face clients that I, um, I don't want to say it's necessarily personal training just because my skill set is much broader than personal training. I'm a clinical behaviorist, a health behaviorist and clinical health coach. So, but I can cover all gamuts of wellness. I got bored in my wellness and my health in 2018 and took what I learned academically and applied it to myself. So I pretty much like stopped all the cardio. I stopped barely eating. And my thing with eating is that I would get busy and forget to eat. So I made it a priority to start eating. Um, and that was a game changer for me because I started lifting weights and actually making myself eat. My food quality was never an issue, but I was underfed, right? So I was malnourished technically because my body didn't have the, the micronutrients, right? Our vitamins and minerals that it gets from our foods because I didn't have enough of it. I didn't have adequate calorie needs. And I, and I, so I didn't have enough micro and macronutrient needs. So I shifted my focus and took an academic approach to a practical problem and applied it to myself, used myself as a full guinea pig. Cardio was only kind of like that. I just need to shut the mind off, right? Turn the music in and shut the mind off. Besides that, I was lifting weights. I was lifting as heavy as I could every time, prioritizing protein, pushing carbs around my workouts and using fat as my lever and changed my body drastically in 90, 60 days, actually in 90 days. Um, I went from a size six, eight female American size six, eight, which is not considered overweight at all. Um, June the 19th was when I did my beginning biometrics. And by August the 19th, I was wearing a zero two. That's how quickly I shed it fat just from taking an academic approach to my practical problem. And from there, the ball just kept rolling. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how I am like fast forward to where I am now. Yeah, and I love it. It's literally you are deep passionate about education, but also putting into action what you are learning, which is uh, the best way to, to learn things because it's not just about, oh, I, I met many people who say, I know uh, that if you want to lose body weight or if you want to gain muscle, you need to be on a, a deficit caloric uh, or if you need to be on a, a surplus caloric uh, intake. And they know all the basics, they know all the fundamentals based on, on where they've been learning from, but they don't apply it. But it's really interesting because you go that mindset and I want to dive into it uh, also. But before I go to go into it, so now we know how, how you craft where you go now. Uh, what are your hobbies? It's like uh, we got this belief, uh, well, around here in England, that especially the personal trainers or fitness professionals, they don't have uh, hobbies. They think... Um, and repeat a uh, fitness and that's it. But do you have any other hobbies apart from, from fitness or is just your full attention towards it? Well, I love hanging out with my dog. If you see my social <laughs> media at all, he's like, he's my boy. Um, I love to create new recipes. That's a really good thing for me. Like I'd like to teach people that, <clears throat> excuse me, healthy and tasty can coexist. Because a lot of people think if they go on a diet, because in America, we use the term wrong, right? It's a, it's a restrictive process. It means you're going super low calorie and doing all this wild stuff. But to the rest of the world, a diet is just what you eat or drink day to day. So 
in America, people say, I got to go on this diet. So then they start restricting calories or they restricting this, or they're doing this, or, you know, just sometimes these things, they, these cleanses and all this stuff that has been proven to just dehydrate you more than anything. Right. So I like, and I think that it gives a huge educational moment to be like, you mean I can eat that and lose weight because they think that diet foods have to be bland or boring or just lack taste, right? So I created like, for example, a healthy peanut butter cup. So like my name within my group is Coach Tabby B. And like my social media stuff is all T-A-B-I underscore Baker, Tabby Baker. Well, I call them Tabby B's PVCs because I've got 12 grams of protein in one peanut butter cup, 10 carbohydrates and nine grams of fat. If you were to take a comparable Reese cup, weigh it as in gram to gram, it would have you three times as many carbs, three times less protein and two and a half times the fat. So I tried to do that. And that's like a huge hobby for me, trying to create recipes that taste good, that are like, you know, meat headed up, right? Like high protein. <laughs> um, but you can have two of those like post-workout with a shake and you're like out the door, right? to rock and roll, you know, it's good to go. So hanging out with my dog, um, I do like to do word, word puzzles, word searches, things like that. Kind of shut the brain off. Don't watch a whole lot of TV. Don't even have like, um, local TV. If I can't, if it can't be streamed, like I don't have it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, well, to be honest with you, if my mom hadn't given me a TV, um, I wouldn't even have one. <laughs> it's, it's so irrelevant to me. Um, but yeah, recipes, my best friend, I like to hang out with her. We, we cut the crap. She's a uh, forensic psychologist. So being that she's wow. a forensic psychologist and I'm a behaviorist by trade, we, um, we observe people a lot. And we have good conversations. <laughs> this really does something as well. I want to talk to you about that before that, because my head now is going to more questions and more questions. But before that, I want to ask, uh, how do you scale your day-to-day -day, uh, life? I mean, like, what do you do from the morning until the, the evening before going to bed? So it's like, how do you spend your time literally? Sure. So um, I have a very set sleep routine for the most part. Like I go to sleep within an hour of the same time and I wake up within the hour of the same time. Um, sleep is undervalued in the world with always plugged and go, 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 right? Like you see people with the traffic lights on their phone and it's like, wow, really? Like, <laughs> so I keep a consistent sleep routine. I believe that it's very important. That's when our body can grow, repair, and, and build itself, right? That rest and recovery is essential for any life, whether you're in fitness or whether you're just trying to get stuff as in your life under control. Sleep is a huge thing that you can control. You can shut the phone off and go to bed. You know, you can make the world stop. You know what I mean? You don't have to be plugged in all the time. So I focus on that. So when I get up in the morning, usually um, I like coffee. I like the way it tastes. I like the way it smells. I like everything about it. So I have a cup of coffee in the morning. Then I take my dog for a walk. Then I come back and I make breakfast, whatever that may be for the day. If it's a day that I'm to lift weights, then I lift weights. Um, and then after that, that's like my priority, because if you do not prioritize yourself, you, you should be like within the top three of your priorities. You should be within the top three of your priorities, right? You have a family, perhaps. You have um, a job, perhaps. Well, you should be there on number three then. So if you don't prioritize yourself, then you're already lacking a component of wellness. 
because you don't set and create and maintain and make people respect your boundaries now. So after I've got all that stuff down, that's when I start getting into my group and I get, what do I need to do? Who said something I need to comment? Where can I go? Then I start cycling through clients if a client needs me or if it's a day that I need to touch, touch base with the client. Because I'm pretty much um, from 8 a.m. until about 8 p.m. available to my clients that are my online clients. Um, after that, it's iffy if you're going to get me after 8 o'clock because I set that boundary and I shut it off. Now, if it's something that I see like 911 come through, right, exclamation points, then I'm going to, if it's something that can wait till the next day, it'll wait. But if it's something that can be, a, that client needs it addressed right then, of course, that's part of, you know, my service is to help them ASAP, right? Um, but generally speaking, no. So after I lift, I get into the group. I help my, my free community there deal, deal with client stuff or initiate new client stuff or work on new programming for clients. And then I go to my live clients if it's a day that I have live clients. Um, and then start winding down for the day, you know, making sure that I'm hitting my, my dinner, uh, making sure I'm getting, you know, whatever else I need for my day, my day's nutrition in there. Um, and of course, my dog and I walk a lot. But here's a big thing that I want to point out for my business um, perspective. On Mondays, I actually call it Media Monday. So Monday literally is like almost all media stuff. So if I've got videos to create for YouTube or for my group or um, any type of you know extended type stuff that I need to do, that's all done on Mondays. I'm a health and wellness go-to for seven different free groups on Facebook. So if I need to do a video for that or do a post for their health and wellness for that week, I do all of that stuff on Monday and save it to a file and then upload it Monday night or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, you know, whatever day it is that I drop it into their group. So I think it's important to, again, set those boundaries, right? It doesn't just have to be sleep or shut off time from your clients, but set those boundaries and that schedule, that routine, just like the sleep routine and stick to it. I think it helps um, sustainability. No one can make a lifestyle change, right, without something that's sustainable. So you got to find what works for you within your system. I love that. I love that. And, and that's pretty much where most of uh, the fitness professional need to, needs to, to preach to, to their clients and to the people who are supporting sustainability and going for the long term, right, and the quick fixes that you can find uh, out there. Um, I got a question interesting in regards to sleep. Like, for example, imagine that you got a client that uh, approached to you and say, hey, hey, okay, I will try to do my best to go to the same time to bed in the morning. Uh, sorry, to wake up in the morning at the same time, I'm going to bed at the same time. But how about the weekends? If, I go into, if I'm going out or if I want to be ability, do you think that does, do you have any tip for, for this type of people? Because that's something that I'm really uh, found interested even in myself, sometimes applying it. So, for example, what I do is like from Monday to, to Saturday, I will wake up the same time. But then on Sunday, I will wake up in the in the time that my body will will wake up, if that makes sense. But what is your point of view regards to that? Well, I would say as long as you're still going to bed Sunday night at the same normal time, then cool. But if it's keeping you up, because like mm -hmm. let's say you got up at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning instead of 6 o'clock when you're used to getting up at 6 o'clock every other day, well, if that keeps you up instead of going to bed at nine o'clock on Sunday night, if that keeps you up to 11 or 12, then I would say that you might want to look at that and maybe keep yourself on that same schedule in the morning, but then take a nap if you need to on Sunday afternoon and set an alarm clock. 
when you take then, that nap. So then that way it gets you up, but it's just enough where you got to rest a little bit, right? And then it still gets you up and then you can go to bed at nine, you know, nine 30 on a Sunday night. So if that one day alters your schedule for three or four days and kind of throws you off, then is it working for you? Probably not. Even though if it's two hours of sleep that you've been having because you've been on a night out or on a wedding or a party, anything, would you recommend uh, based on your experience and point of view, of course, because that's where it is. It's just a point of view. Um, even though you want to maintain that consistency because I've been reading a lot of things in regards to sleep and they recommend to keep the pattern of the same time to go to bed and the same time to wake up. But if, for example, you got a wedding coming up in your approach, uh, what would you do if you know that it's a wedding, finishing fine in the morning, but you may wake up seven in the morning, let's see, and you just go two hours gap uh, to sleep. What would be your approach or on your point of view in regards to that? Well, for me, it doesn't really matter what the event is. It doesn't matter what time I went to bed. Now, as long again as it wouldn't interfere with my schedule that next night. Do you know what I mean? So like I would make sure if I got up in my regular time on Sunday from a, a wedding on Saturday and I was out till one o'clock in the morning where usually I would go to bed at 10, let's say. Okay. So that's like a three hour already. My schedule's been thrown off. Right. So what I would do is most likely get up normal time, do my stuff that I got to do. And if I felt like I needed a nap, I would take, you know, no more than 40, 45 minute nap. I would set an alarm clock to ensure that then I would get up and kind of start my day over again. So then that way I could still go to bed at my regular time on Sunday night, because I personally believe that consistency, as much as you can keep that consistency going between, let's say again, nine o'clock bedtime to six o'clock wake time the better off you're going to be, but life happens. So don't stress over it. I mean, if it's like four o'clock in the morning and you're just now getting to bed because you've been out and about, turn the alarm off then and just sleep until you wake. But then when it starts to become, you know, let's say that you normally an hour before bedtime, you start to decompress, you turn off social media, you turn off the TV, you start reading a book, you know, or you use blue light glasses or whatever, like get your lunch ready for the next day or your coffee ready for the next day or you know, whatever you do for your bedtime routine, then if it's like eight o'clock on Sunday night and you're not even close to being tired, you still need to start that bedtime routine and try to just still get yourself in bed as close as to your original time as possible. But I don't think one day is going to make or break anything. Yeah, it's just interesting uh, in regards to that point of view because I'm still new to sleep uh, regards to that deep understanding as you have, but it's really important. Uh, as you said, for, for many other benefits. So I really appreciate going to that in detail uh, regards to sleep because that's going to help many people, even myself, regards to how can I process a uh, different type of events without losing any progress on my fitness goals. And yeah, I mean, life happens. Sometimes you just got to go with the flow. You can't stress one day, you know? Yeah, that's really it's like if you miss. It's like if you missed a workout because the plumber came and you had to get a new toilet or your kitchen pipe broke or... You know, and like messed up your whole day. Like, okay, that's no big deal. Skip today, do it tomorrow. You know, life is going to happen. You got to be able to move with the ebbs and flow of life. Of course, you can't, and be, that's, you can't be so rigid, right? That you can't. That if you bend, you're going to break. <laughs> and I love that. That's not sustainable. Exactly, and that's where we're going to go in, in a bit to that. But talking in regards to fitness, what is the meaning that you have of fitness? What does fitness, fitness mean, mean to me? To me? Mm -hmm. 
It means that I am physically fit. But what that means to me is that it kind of goes in with my strongest sexing. It kind of goes in with being whole because you can be physically fit, right? Like you can have abs or you can look great in your bathing suit or you can deadlift three plates. But if you're not comfortable in your own skin, then you're not fit because you're not mentally or emotionally well either. And that can affect you spiritually as well. So it's this whole component of being whole is what fitness really means to me. It means you're mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally healthy, that you're not so high and then so low and so high and so low, right? That you kind of, you might have a little bit of this, right? Because life happens, but all in all, you can handle things when they're thrown at you because you're fit in multiple levels. You can... And this sounds really bad. It probably sounds extremely judgmental. And I don't mean it this way, but there's some people that are so zoned in on one component of health, right? Like they got abs or they never eat anything that's processed or they don't take any medications for anything, right? Like, so they only focus on one component of health that they forget that there's other components that are needed in order for us to be what we are. And that's just human. You know what I mean? You can't just be mentally pristine, but then lacking spirituality and emotional health, you know, and then physical health. Like, so they're, they're all connected and they're all the components of wellness. Absolutely. If that makes well, sense. Yes, that it does. And, and literally that's kind of like as well, the approach that, that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to include into fitness as well, the spirituality. And that's something that I want to ask you because probably I, I just want to know your thoughts regards to spirituality. What, what does that mean as well to you? Well, spirituality is not religion, nor mm-hmm. is it associated with religion. A lot of people think the spirits or the spirit touched me, right? If they're Christian or whatever. And they think that that's spirituality. That's not. Spirituality is that instinctual, that innate part of you, that gut instinct almost, right? That you're realize that you are at one with something greater than yourself, that we're just part of all of these inner workings together. And this is a huge thing that I try to explain to people, especially for um, explaining the basics of nutrition to them. Your body is like the housing to your soul, your mind, right? Your brain is an organ. Your mind is your conscious part of, of that. Well, if you don't feed your mind and your body what it needs, then it can't meet the demands that you place on it day to day. So if you're spiritually bankrupt, right, where you think that everything is about you, um, then that drives pride, arrogance, and ego, or even superficial or shallowness, right? Because you, you forget that you're just a piece of this huge puzzle. And that's what spirituality means to me. It means actually understanding that we're all related and connected within the world. You know, walk outside without your shoes on and just let your feet touch the earth, you know, walk in the sun and just feel the rays on your skin and, and pay attention to how that makes you feel as a person. You feel invigorated. You feel like, wow, I didn't just have an energy drink, but I feel good. You know, you actually get to see, um, the kaleidoscope of colors that are in the trees or that are in the the flowers, you know, or pay attention to the bee going from bloom to bloom and collecting the pollen. 
you know, so it's just being part of something greater than yourself. That's what spirituality means to me. Wow, really deep, but I love it. And literally, you just made it um, be understanding, understanding on on an easy way, if that makes sense, with relatable um, scenarios. Yeah, so I love that. Thank you, because sometimes people try to get away from spirituality because they say, oh, spirituality is like just meditating 30 minutes an hour, going to, to a cave and do meditation for days or going to a retreat. You can you can be spiritually abandoned uh, just doing these few things uh, that, that you just say. So I love it. So thank you for that. That's a really good and powerful uh, tool that we can use to empower ourselves and to, to create a health and connect, connection between those uh, puzzles that you said, right? Sometimes people overcomplicate the simplicity of things. Sometimes. Right? Sometimes. So they, they literally make a molehill out of an anthill, right? And, and they make it like they think they're so woke or profound because they said that. And it's like, wow, that made me sound really smart. No, just keep it simple. That innate part of you that says that's not a good idea. That's the spiritual part of you. That's your gut instinct. You know, I'm sure you you can relate when you walk out in the sun sometimes and you feel that or you come back from a 15 or 20 minute walk. It's like, wow. Or you go hiking or you go camping or you go to the beach and you feel the waves crashing on you. There's something internally that moves in you. You feel one with your environment. That's spirituality. I love it. And I love it. Um, something that I want to ask you because every time that I um, got a chance to listen to you, especially now, I got that I got that feeling that you're really passionate about and I can sense and I can feel it. How how and why do you end up being a fitness professional and being supporting people through their fitness journey? Well. I think that um, in order for people to be healthy, it shouldn't break the bank. And being in primary care for so many years or being in you know, the, the clinical setting for so many years um, in various roles, I saw a lot of people chasing their own tail. You know, they would be trying to, they're taking this medication or they're taking that medication or they're doing this approach to something or doing that approach to something. And they forget the simplicity of stop just going through drive-through, man. Start cooking at home. Use your crock pot. Use your Instapot. Use your air fryer. You know what I mean? Like use the tools of modern technology to make our life easier. And guess what? It saves you money too. It's cheaper to cook at home and it's healthier. It's a win-win there. So why do you want to take this high blood pressure medication? And why do you want to take this high cholesterol medication? But you're still going through McDonald's or the Chick-fil-A, or wherever, three or four, five, six times a week. And worse yet, now you've got your kids eating it too. So they're already starting their life in a potential for an unhealthy state. You are not setting your children up for success. You can call that virtual signaling all you want. I don't care, but it's true. You show me one person that eats out every day of their week and let me see how much healthier they are than someone that cooks their own food every day of the week. It's just not going to happen because restaurants are in business because they're business. They want to make the food fast and get it out to you. They don't care how much oils it's got in it. They don't care how much crap they got to put on it to make it taste good. You're not going to buy something that's not flavorful, right? 
So their business is to make money. They are a business. So I just try to tell people to start simple, you know, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because when people start to just start simple, if they're used to drinking four sodas a day and they cut it down to two, they see like, wow, I've already lost five pounds in two weeks just by cutting out two sodas. And then it's like, okay, well, let's stop drinking our calories unless it's a protein shake, for example, right? And let's start actually eating our calories and just taking a walk twice a, twice a week on your lunch break. Boom. They're like, wow. And then it's like, okay, let's cut out fast food. Instead of eating fast food five days a week, pick two days that week that you're going to eat your favorite fast food place at lunch. And then the other days pack your lunch. And then it's like, wow, three months later, they're down 18 pounds. And they're like, all I did was do this. So that's why, because I like that light going off. And then they realize like, I can do this. This is sustainable for me. This is empowering for me. I now have confidence in myself because I just started simple. And instead of drinking four sodas a day, I drink two. Wow. Like I did that. And that's, what's important. Sometimes people think that like your small victories are not victories. Any victory is a victory. Take it, allow it to build on, nurture it, support it. Pat yourself on the back. Even if you don't tell anybody else or if nobody else seems happy about it for you. Well, the only people that don't want to see another people succeed are jealous, insecure, or envious. So keep doing yourself, right? Support yourself, especially if you have no one else. That's why I created Dynamo Nutrition and Fitness, because I wanted people to have a place that they could go to and have a community of support. Anybody that throws their goal in my group, we will back back you 100%. Like, Recently, I posted um, this gentleman's results from a nine-week dieting phase. 516 people saw it. That's amazing. That's a huge community support. And by the way, at the time, we had 752 members. So 516 saw it out of 752. So that shows you the community of support that we have inside of that group. So that's why I think, and then that allows me to continue to be passionate. Because I see the light go off on people and it's like, aha, they've arrived. And then that makes me understand that as a human being, I have done my job and that's to do something else that's just nice for another human being. Absolutely. Humanity. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the best reasons that uh, most of us as a fitness professional, we are uh, doing what we're doing. Yes, because we wanted to, to see that that in your case, strong, sexy in every single in every single time that you have, right? Based on their own meaning, but that's beautiful. Something that I want to ask you as well is it uh, what is the biggest life lessons that that help you that help you in, in life? How do you overcome it? What happened? Because I I know that does make you who you are. So it would be interesting to know it. My father raised me to not care about societal norms. Wow. The best way I can say that. He told me that the majority does not mean it's normal. That means that more people do that than the other. So there's a difference between normal and majority. If it was the same thing, they wouldn't be two different words. So he told me, don't go with the majority or don't go with what people think is normal. Go with what feels right with you. I'm not talking about running red lights. I'm not talking about murdering people. I'm not talking about doing drugs or being a prostitute. I'm talking about do what you think is the right thing to do. What you feel instinctually is the right thing to do. Keep your side of the street clean. 
And then don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you because their opinion actually is theirs. And it really is none of your business. Wow. And that was very, um, my father told me that if I can do anything for you, the biggest freedom I can ever give you is to not care about what anyone thinks about you because that's true freedom. Um, so I would say those types of things. I was raised with an empowered mindset. Um, I was raised not to be superficial. I was raised to be humble, um, strong, but not weak, but kind and not rude. Cause there's a difference. Do you know what I mean? Some people take your kindness for weakness and then they try to run all over you when they don't realize that like, Whoa, like I still have boundaries and I still have limits. My loyalty will only go so far. And I think that a lot of times people bend when they should be staying rigid and solid, draw their line in the sand and say, whoa, like, I don't agree with that. And it's okay. You don't agree with that. So stand up for yourself, find your own groove, find your own drum and, and don't, don't care if someone likes you. I mean, literally, are they paying your rent? Are you going to bed with them at night? Are they cooking your dinner? Did they buy your shoes? Are they working out with you in the gym? So who cares? Their opinion is their opinion. Allow them to have it. And I love that because literally sometimes we're stopping ourselves from being authentic or, or to, to, to say, okay, that's feel authentic to do or to, to be because they are thinking about a society. They are thinking about, or they are comparing the, their, themselves as well with what is success, what is a, a fitness resource, because that that's a, that's usually what happens even with the fitness resource. A, if they if the person doesn't lose weight or if the person doesn't gain muscle, it's not a result. But they forget all the the small wins and the journey that they've been going through. Like for example, many things like for example health, a, a, the pressure, the blood pressure, even diabetes. Many things that sometimes we take it for granted that that is more important than just losing weight or gaining muscle. But I don't know your point of view regards to that, but uh, that's that's beautiful and that's being unique to what is true to you, right? So that that's really that's I I like the the idea of what you uh, that told you regards to norms and society because. In my case, I think society and and all the all these uh, norms are designed to to keep us. On, on just one line and to, to make us all the same when we are right. not. That's right. So, it's like herding cattle. Exactly. So you that, know, that's... And you have to be, you have to have a backbone. You have to be willing to say, that's just not cool. Whatever it may be, whether it's a person, you know, at you, whether it's an event in your life, you know, my dad said that the best way to predict your future is to create it. He, that was a quote from Abraham Lincoln. And to see what is right and to not do it is a lack of courage. That's from Confucius. Like these are things that were said to me as I was growing up. So I really, um, character is not defined by what happens to you, but by how you respond to what has happened to you. And there's a certain amount of emotional intelligence that comes along with that, that people nowadays, for most part, I mean, if you look at social media, you can see that how butthurt they get over somebody's post. So they lack emotional intelligence. But if you have emotional intelligence, you can be stoic in any situation if you need to be, but still be, but still be empathetic. You know, it just means that you realize that 
that is not, that's outside of me. And they're entitled to that opinion, or they can think that way because our values and our beliefs and our experiences is what creates our perception anyways. So if you're not a veteran of the United States Air Force, like I am, if you're not female, like I am, if you're not whatever, like I am, how could you possibly see the world through my eyes? You cannot, but that's where empathy comes in as well, right? The relatability factor needs to be there. But in the same regard, you still have to understand and respect that you're still individuals. So what can I learn from this experience then? And can I critically think for myself? And am I emotionally intelligent enough to then perceive what I've been seen and then take it in and process it? Well, yes, and that's a real truth what you're saying. Um, something that I want to ask you uh, also, because you've been having many, many courses and degrees, especially the, I think it is clinical behavior that, that you say, regards to the behavior one, it was, it's just related to clinical also, it, is that help you to help your clients in some way as well? Well, being that mainly it's in the role of health behavior for health behavior change, mm-hmm. um, it's definitely to help my clients create sustainable. I have so far like a 92.3% success rate with my clients. And most of my clients are with me for months, like into years, um, which is huge. You know, it's not just like a 90 day, whatever, whatever. And then they come back because, uh uh-oh, I went back to my old habits and I started, you know, I rebound, right? They gained the weight and then some or whatever. Most of my clients are with me for a minimum of eight to nine months. Um, If you've ever heard of the Petroski's, the um, theoretical model of change, what it was, it's a health belief model, a health behavior model, okay? And it took smoking cessation to help people get off of tobacco. And it found that it was a minimum of six months for someone to actually quit smoking, whether they use the tool like gum or the patch or whatever. It was a minimum of six months to quit smoking, but they were not even considered into the maintenance stage until at least six months. Mm-hmm. Nicotine free. So if they had help for the first three months, well, then if you take that three months, you got to add six months to that. So that would be nine month window, right? Because for the first three months, you had the nicotine, which you got from the tobacco. Well, you replace the tobacco with the patch or the gum. So from that end point, when you had no more nicotine into your system, because you graduated down, you know, like 10 milligrams, five milligrams, two milligrams. So at the end of that 90 days, just for an example, add six months to that, that puts you at month, month nine. So on average, it takes 66 days to form one simple micro behavior change, like four sodas to two sodas, to be consistent with that. But on something larger scale where it's diet or nutrition focused specifically like um, tobacco cessation, or let's say um, going to a lower sodium diet, um, by the way, which is like, is usually like, has crap to do with hypertension, by the way, for the most part, right? (laughs) But that's just what society has us believe. Mainstream media and the medical, right? The American Medical Society has certain parameters for certain things. So they tell you to go low sodium. Sometimes, maybe sometimes not really. Like how high was your sodium to begin with? But let's say that you took that. So at the end of thirty, you know, 90 days, well, add six months. So at nine months is probably about the point where you now have some skills in place if someone helped teach you properly. You've seen the cause and effect of your previous behavior. And then the cause and effect of your now behaviors. So then you can slide forward and making and maintaining those sustainable changes. Hence a new healthier lifestyle. Wow. That's deep. But 
if you put on, on a perspective uh, of for how many years you've been doing the same, you know, like for example, drinking a soda, like for five, six, seven years on a road, comparing to um, 99 days, example, no, sorry, nine months, I think it's not that bad. Many people will say, oh, nine months, I need to be in that, in that process, it's too long, but if you realize for how long you've been uh, doing the other one that is affecting your health and well-being, it's not that bad. So that's really interesting. A right? lot. I'm like, if you come to me at 45, so when you're a young child, you don't really control your diet. Your parents do, right? But let's say you come to me at 45. We have almost 30 years, because if you were at 18, we have almost 30 years of poor decisions to undo. So this isn't going to happen overnight. So allow yourself some grace there. I don't believe in this grace where you eat great Monday through Friday and then you go buck wild Saturday and Sunday. I don't believe in that. That's, that's not grace. That's co-signing your own crap. Grace is when you realize that there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be roadblocks. Then there's going to be speed bumps because life will always happen. So allowing yourself some grace means that you allow yourself to not be rigid, right? Remember when I said, if you've got rigidity, then you cannot bend. And if you bend, you break. It just, so it, you take that in perspective and you realize like, gosh, that's right. Like I've been eating drive through as long as I can remember. Or I always eat a birthday cake this big. That's my piece. So it's going to take a while to realize that like, this is a piece of cake, not this. So don't beat yourself up when you cut that big piece of cake and then you start eating it. And you go, oh! Go ahead and cut the other half away and realize I'll eat that other half later. So you got to take those small steps and allow yourself a chance to make those micro approach to the change, but they start small. And I think people lose perspective in that. And then they give themselves too much grace. Like they'll go like, I ate the cookie at lunch. And then they just let the whole day go crazy because they ate one cookie. Yeah. Lord have mercy, record the cookie and then move on. It was a moment. I, I, I totally love that. And I think the behavior is a big part, especially in the fitness, uh, in the fitness uh, um, industry, mainly, you know, for, for anything that you want to set up yourself um, to do, it's going to be as well based on what you've been doing before, rather than what you wanted to do for the future, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like you go and rewind all what you, what the past or the story or the experiences that they've been having. So then you can later create the future for them, right? Correct. And see, a lot of females, even guys, but a lot of females, because females are the primary cookers of the family, right? They have an emotional connection to food. So they use food as a coping mechanism then because it makes them emotionally feel better. Because think of it this way. They're growing up, and this also applies to men, but I'm just saying usually it's more women than men. They're with grandma and they're with mom and they're with their aunts and they're with their sisters and their brothers, maybe even right. They're all in the kitchen cooking around the holidays because it's an event. So then they feel those good emotional vibes and that energy and that rhythm. And then they start to associate food with that, that feel good moments. And then they're raised that way their whole life. And so then, wow, when Billy Joe Bob breaks up with them, they eat the whole pint of Ben and Jerry's because it made it feel better. But they don't understand it's because they established that emotional connection back in the day because when they were making cherry pies with grandma, they felt better. And it wasn't because they were making the cherry pies. It's because they were spending time with someone that was important to them. So they deflected that energy to the wrong thing. It became the cherry pie when it was actually grandma. 
I totally agree with you. And I think that's for comfort food, right? It's really association with that. So it's really, I've been just doing the the top of the iceberg, but literally you got <laughs> the bottom of it. You know, you got the, the, the information, but it's really interesting. I'm really happy that it's people like you supporting uh, out there people, which I believe they got some responsibility, but also is a lot of uh, pressure uh, from, from the marketing out there. Uh, from the food industry, so I totally agree with that. That that, that is not just on them, blaming them or blaming themselves. They say, "Oh my God, I got diabetes because of me or because of my family." I don't think so. I I think it was as well other factors around your environment that make you go that way and take that decision. So really interesting, right? A lot of it's the political, socioeconomics as well, like. Think about this, and I don't know how it is in, in England, but I know in America, and, and this really gyrates me, you can go to a poorer neighborhood and there's a little like quick store. And next to the quick store is like a, or even the grocery store is a liquor store or a tobacco store. So you're bombarded with these other things. There's not a gym right there. There's not a fresh market right there. It literally takes you from one epidemic, right, to another. It's taking you from poor quality foods at the little corner store, because that's the only thing that's in your area, right? Because it's it's poor, it's impoverished. And then next door is a liquor store and then a tobacco store. So that's what they're telling you is this is what you should do. They're not they're not trying to tell you let's walk three blocks down and find the Whole Foods store and I, by Whole Foods I'm talking about the fresh market store I'm not talking about the grocery store Whole Foods you know and let's go to the park or let's walk this way and go to the gym no literally it's lined up in a lot of places for you to already be unsuccessful moving forward. Wow, you you, you just say it how everything is. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> around us you know and hopefully like and i know it will change but hopefully the change is not going to be that that long that when it will be the change is not going to be anyone to to, to, to have it in uh, or to to allow us to work on us because sometimes the change doesn't comes in the right time but hopefully we are in a, in a stage I, I believe that we are more awake that we are more connected and that's also, thank you to the technology and the access of information that we have, uh, that we are awakening, that, that we are more aware of what is, that we got the decision, that we are free. In, I don't know if that makes sense, but also you got the other side. It does, but you also got to remember there's a responsibility that comes with more information. You can't just read it and think that it's fact. Yeah, you have yeah, to be yeah. able to think for yourself. You know, like, we could, I don't know if you've had this experience, but like, People think that Wikipedia is like Cyclopedia Britannica. And it's like, no, anybody can say what they want on Wikipedia. It is not an encyclopedia. So you may get someone that actually knows what they're talking about, or you may get something that has knows nothing, and they just decide to go in and stir the pot for the day. So you have to be able to critically think and sort through the information. Not just because um, it's there means it's fact. And also, as you said, trying to believe on you, on what is real to you, because we, if we took the time or we take the time to just say, okay, the information that I'm taking on either on a video, on a picture or information or even on Wikipedia, if you reflect and just do a short reflection of what you are reading, you will realize if it's real or not to you or if that makes sense. Sometimes, (laughs) I know, I know, but it's kind of like I wanted to, to, to give them a tool because sometimes 
it is that, but most of the time, most of the information that we are going to take, it will be through social media. And social media sometimes is known to be the most reliable uh, thing to, to follow if you... Opinion-based. Exactly. So it's, it's interesting. And I can talk here for hours with you because you got so uh, so, so much uh, to, to share. But one of the few, the last questions I want to ask is like, what is the vision of yourself? What is the vision of yourself, but also personally, but also professionally? Well, personally, I have certain goals that I want to achieve. Um, I've been maintaining for the past um, few months after a photo shoot that I had um, in May to announce my strongest sexy sports bra. Um, so that was really cool. So I've been just kind of maintaining for the past couple of months. Um, but I'm getting ready to start a bulk, um, a bulk wow. phase. I want to build, I want to, you know, grow more lean mass here. So I'm about to um, push that to the next level. And I'm going to probably do that for a whole 26 weeks. I really want to do a nice long hypotrophy run. You know, um, I've got the first phase of my programs already written and I'm starting on the second phase now, kind of tweaking some exercises in here and there. Um, it's interesting to think, because like real quick, like back in the day before I was prioritizing you know, food, because I'd get busy and forget to eat or whatever, right? Like, I was eating like 12 to 1300 calories, probably like day to day basis. And now I'm eating just in maintenance. I wear a zero two now where I wore a six eight then and I weigh exactly now the what I weigh the very first day I picked up a weight, but I'm six to eight sizes smaller. That's how much lean mass that I have on my body. So calorically, at maintenance, I'm at like 2,130 calories, 2,150 calories a day, just at maintenance. And that's just like, and you can understand this, especially from the females I'm sure you've worked with. They're like, what? You eat that and you look like that? Like what? They don't understand that when your body has more lean mass than fat mass for one, that lean mass is the driver of our metabolism, right? And that when you're eating for the needs of your body, you're not gaining fat then if you're output and your input are projected appropriately, right? Like time under tension, progressive overload, like we're forcing the body to build more lean tissue. And that's like a huge, I think a freedom movement for a lot of women that have been doing excessive cardio and doing all kinds of just what they see in shape magazines and what they see on Oprah Winfrey and all this mass media stuff that is just not accurate. Men have it more right in that regard. They understand, you know, you got to push the weight, you got to push the weight and then you got to give the nutrition, right? They get that concept more different, but it's also because society has raised them to be that way. Mm. Again, societal norms. But so that's very freeing. So I'm going to be talking about my bulk journey a lot in my group and on my, my blog um, as I go through the next few months, because I really like, I bring that eye opening to females. It's very um, empowering for me when women say to me, finally, like, you want me to weigh myself? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, I don't even care what that says. <laughs> I'm like, no, but I need to do new calories for you. And it just is another indicator. So I want your measurements. I want to see pictures and I need a weight, right? So make sure that we're good to go for your new, new set of biometrics moving forward into the next part of your program. So that leads into, for me personally and professionally, I want to continue to help more people through Dynamo Nutrition and Fitness. Um, I love doing online coaching. I'm very one-on-one -on -one with my people. I do random phone calls. I just will message them sometimes and be like, go rock your day or, you know, just different things like that. Um, I like that there is some members and there's one that's very adamant. If you're not in my group, um, Dynamo Nutrition and Fitness on Facebook, he is very, he is like one of my cheerleaders 
on accident. Like he came into the group with type two diabetes and found some of my recipes. And now he's no longer taking his insulin medication. Wow. Now, mind you, I do have my certification from the CDC, but health education and health promotion are what my master's is about. So next level for me professionally is to complete my master's program, um, continue to run my education and promotion program like I do to help change people's lives. And ultimately, probably looking at the National Institutes of Health. Um, Because I think that I definitely have a grassroots approach. I take an academic approach that can be backed with sound science to the practical approaches that we face in many different places. And the National Institutes of Health is not just in the United States of America, but they go throughout the world, but they're not um, politically driven like the World Health Organization. Mm, it's evidence-based and um i think that i can maybe help run some substantial sustainable health promotion programs at a global level well all the the best good energies to you so Thank you, you can make it happen because uh, yes we we are literally that's my my belief on mantra i'm here to make a a better world for tomorrow that's right so that that that's what we are we're here to do and i think that that's where the energy, high power, gods, whatever God you, you believe, what you hear in this earth to, to make a positive change for the next ones to come. That's what I believe. So that's amazing. Uh, really, really happy as well with that because you are clear and decisive for what you want to do uh, professionally and personally as well. Um, the last question before we're going to wrap up this because usually it's half an hour and we just went for, for almost an hour and I'm really happy and honored and grateful to you for for sharing that time uh, what is the non-negotiables that you have uh, and how do you set up yourself uh, for success or for for having a really good day even though sometimes you don't feel it it's like do you have any routines before starting your day is it, like any non-negotiable that you have if that makes sense my, my non-negotiable mm-hmm. is that i don't co-sign bullshit <laughs> i love that my own or someone else's. My father taught me the most respect you can ever give to someone is to be honest with them. It doesn't mean that you be rude. And like, let's say that you had on a mirror, a red shirt. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to say, wow, that shirt looks awful on you, but I'm just not going to compliment your shirt. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm just going to be honest. And and just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you have to share it. So I don't co-sign my own crap just because I think it doesn't mean that I need to share it. Right. Just because I love it when a client says to me, but I can't do that because, and I'm like, you can't or you won't. There's a difference between need and wants. And when you understand those difference, you also understand there's a difference between can't and won't. So a lot of times people, they want it, but they want it, but, or I like it when someone says, I deserve this. What do you mean deserve? Did you, did you go to school to deserve that? Did you put the time in to deserve that? Did you gain the experience necessary to deserve that? Have you done the work, whatever that is, to deserve that, right? We don't deserve anything, we earn it. And the only time we then deserve it is because we earned it. And so those are just non-negotiables for me, just staying true to me, not co-signing crap, just keeping it real, keeping my side of the street clean, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. Is any routine that you usually do uh, to set up yourself uh, for the day? Like, for example, meditation, affirmations, maybe drinking half a liter of water. I don't know. What, what, do, you, do you do something special or is just your coffee and walking your dog as 
as priority before starting your day? Um, well, I stick to my program. Mm -hmm. That's a routine. So whatever that program may be, if it's a three day on, one day off, three day, you know, three day on, two days off, two days on, one day off, two day, whatever my program that I'm at for in that time in my training log, mm -hmm. I stick to that. That's not, that's a non-negotiable for me. And that applies to my nutrition as well, because my nutrition matches my programming. Because right. obviously I want to make sure my body's supported for the demands that I'm placing on it. So I do not alter for my personal goals. That is a routine. That's a non-negotiable for me. If I want that red hat, I'm going to get that red hat. I'll do what it takes to get that red hat. I that love it. I know that is going to happen. The red hat will be your book. That would be also all the plans that you got. So all the blessings. I'm really grateful for, you. for having you here. Uh, yes, guys. So thank you as well for watching this amazing talk. Um, this is a powerful Share Your Mindset episodes. Long, but all the minutes are worth it so make sure to replay again take your notes because that's going to support you on your fitness journey thank you so much um i'm going to put below as well the link for your facebook group so they can join it as well of course uh, and also your social media so they can have uh, i believe that your environment will dictate who you're going to become so if you are surrounded with more people who care about your health your well-being and share inspirational uh, insights that's the best way to go because you don't need to have a real friend. Sometimes you can be online friends like you are, like I am anywhere around the world that is going to make you and set you up for success. So that That's is right. it, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much as well, Tata. Thank and you. see you next time, guys. Bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to rate and share with others. Share your mindset because we are here with a purpose to level up yourself and take you to the next stage. See you later.